0: Thank wow. you. Everybody, and welcome back to Exploring the Lord of the Rings. This is session number 203 of Exploring the Lord of the Rings. Uh, Tonight, we are going to talk about the fellowship near the ring, or the fellowship in some way associated with the ring. Uh, That's going to be one of the things we're going to talk about. What exactly is the link between the fellowship and the ring is uh, the primary thing that jumps out at me about this, um, this coming passage. (laughs) Yeah. uh, No, Anna, it's not that um, I've given up on my glasses. It's just that I forgot to put them on. It's still unnatural. I've only just gotten old recently, you know, so, uh, uh, wearing reading glasses is still kind of foreign. I still tend to forget to wear them until like the headache starts. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I really should have been wearing my glasses. Anyway, there we are. Um, uh, so, uh, (laughs) anyhow, um, uh, and yes, folks on YouTube, this is actually live. Um, just to clarify, um, let me do a couple quick announcements uh, because we got some exciting stuff coming up here in these next couple weekends. Last weekend, I was in Iowa for Middle Moot. Uh, we had a wonderful time; really, really great conference. Mike Drought was there, and we talked a lot of philology during the day. Talked a lot about language. Great time, um, and uh, uh, another really successful hybrid moot. I've been feeling really, um, uh, really happy with our hybrid moots. Um, great participation, both from our our physical and our digital attendees uh, on Saturday. Looking forward to continuing that uh, and keeping that going. So... um, uh, but anyway, so I, first thing I wanted to announce was that we have another moot coming up soon. Registration just opened for Bay Moot in California. We're going to be in Berkeley, California. I'm looking forward to getting uh, out to that one physically as well. I will be there uh, in Berkeley on the 6th of November. There's the link uh, just posted in Discord. If you go to signumuniversity.org slash events, you can find the link to Baymoot um, and then to uh uh registration uh for the uh for the 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 conference and again you can sign up both uh to attend digitally or to attend physically both are equally possible uh at baymoot well i know not equally possible for everyone that's why we have the digital option so there you are um but um okay so uh there's um All right. So that's what uh, that's the first announcement. The second announcement is that this weekend, this Saturday, uh, the 16th of October, is our Webathon, our annual fall fundraising campaign concluding Webathon. Uh, We've been doing, uh, you know, donor appreciation stuff for several weeks. Um, We've already raised. Uh, more money this year so far. We have almost $73,000 in uh, gifts and pledges. Um, And we've already raised more money than we did all year two years ago. And uh, it's just awesome. Our goal is $100,000 and we're like actually aggressively on our way towards that. So I am extremely excited and very grateful as always to the generosity of our community who continues to help Uh, uh, Signum to continue to exist and to move forward. Um, I was sharing with you guys some of, uh, you know, earlier on. Well... No, I shared in my Wednesday broadcast a little bit earlier on uh, some of what uh, we've been able to accomplish in this past year with the money that we raised last year. And I'm going to be talking a little bit more about that as well as about our new program. The big exciting thing is I'm going to start off our Webathon at 1 p.m. Eastern time um, with my annual State of the University address. And in my State of the University address, I'm going to be explaining all about our exciting new Program, the space program, Signum Portals for Adult Continuing Education. You are not going to want to miss this. A whole new set of new opportunities uh, for wonderful, exciting, and stimulating education that we are making possible for you. at Signum. So I hope that you will uh, be able to join me for that again at one o'clock is, is where we're going to begin with the State of the University Address. Then we're going to have a whole bunch of uh, space capsules during the day, little uh, sort of samplers of some of the space courses that we're going to be running uh, uh, right away when we begin. And then uh, uh, in the middle of it, also, I'm going to be doing um, uh, I'm going to be doing a a Reddit AMA on the Tolkien fans subreddit. uh, And I'm going to live stream doing the AMA. So y'all can, y'all can uh, uh, help me with my answers to the questions that folks asked me on Reddit. It's going to be, it's going to be kind of meta actually um, uh, live streaming, doing an AMA, uh, but (laughs) but it's going to be fun. Uh, So that's going to happen at 4 PM. And then later on, and these are all all the times I'm giving here Eastern time. And then later on in the evening, uh, starting about 9 p.m. Eastern time, I'm going to be doing another little mini Lotro marathon uh, where I'm hoping to get uh, my uh, Guardian Wigand through the rest of the Mordor storyline. Uh, and then who knows what happens after that. So um, anyway, uh, that's um, that's that's what's happening here in this next week and a half. So I hope folks will be able to join me. We're going to have some special giveaways and and lots of fun on Webathon Day. There's going to be a trivia contest with prizes and all kinds of things. Uh, So I hope that you will join me again starting at 1pm and going until probably about 1am Eastern Time uh, will be the Webathon on the day. Uh, More details uh, to come later on. But uh, including a registration link and all kinds of things. But um, uh, but uh, but there we are. So um, that's what is happening now. Let us get. Oh, sorry, I forgot to here. I forgot to advance my slide. Why are we supposed to have this slide up anyway? So there we are. You can of course make a donation to Signum University at signumuniversity.org. dot org slash fund. That's where you can find all the information about our fund and many links uh, to our donation page. Uh, and again, as always, I'm so grateful to everybody who has donated to help and support Signum and to keep all of our programs running. Uh, it's a really, really big deal. And if you've never donated before, I encourage you to uh, to consider it uh, because we really appreciate our donors. And without our donors, uh, none of this would certainly have been possible. Um, uh, you know, I sometimes, I often feel this way. Sometimes people will say things like, you know, it's say to me things like, it's really impressive how you've, like, you know, managed to create this university all by yourself. I'm like, are you kidding me? I didn't create this university all by myself. It's nuts. Nobody could do that. Um, All that we've done, everything that we've uh, accomplished, everything that we've set up, and everything that we continue to do at Signum uh, is because of all of the support and the help we've had from our community. There's there's absolutely no way uh, that anyone could do this university thing all by themselves. Um, So, Anyway, uh, thanks again to everybody who has supported us. Um, Now, let us get back to the text. Elrond is about to make some declarations. And it's interesting because we were talking during the council. Um, about how comparatively hands-off Elrond was, right? He got spunky at one point in the middle of the council, right, when he, uh, you know, made a declaration, you know, we must send the ring to the fire. But even then, you know, they'd already kind of built up to that, and it was already relatively clear by that point. Um, Then later on, uh, you know, he said, you know, if I understand right all that I have heard, I believe that this task is appointed for you, Frodo. But that was more of an affirmation than a decision per se, right? As we talked about there and revisited last week, he really left that very pointedly for Frodo to volunteer rather than assigning that or even making any suggestions. Um, Here, however, we see him being very much more proactive about things. Elrond's got a plan, right? So let's look at Elrond's plan. And I will choose you companions to go with you, as far as they will or fortune allows. The number must be few, since your hope is in speed and secrecy. Had I a host of elves in armor of the elder days, it would avail little, save to arouse the power of Mordor. The company of the ring shall be nine, and the nine walkers shall be set against the nine riders that are evil. With you and your faithful servant, Gandalf will go, for this shall be his great task, and maybe the end of his labors. For the rest, they shall represent the other free peoples of the world, elves, dwarves, and men. Legolas shall be for the elves, and Gimli, son of Gloan, for the dwarves. They are willing to go at least to the passes of the mountains, and maybe beyond. For men you shall have Aragorn, son of Arathorn, for the ring of Isildur concerns him closely. Strider, cried Frodo. Yes, he said with a smile. I ask leave once again to be your companion, Frodo. I would have begged you to come, said Frodo. Only I thought you were going to ministereth with Boromir. I am, said Aragorn, and the sword that was broken shall be reforged ere I set out to war. But your road and our road lie together for many hundreds of miles. Therefore, Boromir will also be in the company. He is a valiant man. Okay. um, Lots going on here. The first thing I want to emphasize, again... Notice the um, sort of um, mood. I don't mean emotional mood. I mean grammatical mood, right? Um, He is not... um, He's speaking in the future tense, indicative mood, right? The company of the ring shall be nine, and the nine walkers shall be set against the nine riders that are evil, right? Look at that sentence. He is saying, here's how it's going to be. And this is why it's going to be that way, right? Um, Gandalf is Gandalf will go, um, he, and again he not only says what's going to happen uh, with the elves, dwarves, and men, right? Um, Legolas shall be Gimli, uh, uh, and Gimli for the dwarves, right? Uh, with the parallelism implying shall be also. Um, now he does ascertain that, um, uh, not ascertained. He does explain that he has ascertained their willingness, right? He's not just dragooning them into this, right? This is presumably not news to Legolas and Gimli when he says it to the hobbits here, right? They are willing to go to the, at least to the passes of the mountains and maybe beyond. So he has had conversations with them, right? Um, uh, <laughs> Lupin, I agree. It would be fun if they didn't know, right? Yeah, that that, that would be fun. Um, uh, <laughs> you're right, Nathan. <laughs> nine Walkers versus nine Wraiths is kind of like a baseball game. Um, uh, uh yes, <laughs> it kind of is. Um, but um, uh, but yeah. So no, Cook. I don't think he's they're they're being voluntold here exactly. Um, but um. But I do think uh, that they are—the way that he's laying this out for the hobbits, though, is, nece- is interesting, right? Because I, I do not think, when he says, Legolas shall be for the elves and Gimli, son of Glon, for the dwarves, uh, for men you shall have Aragorn, son of Arathorn— I don't think that this is chance, right? He said that the council just kind of came together spontaneously, right? Uh, You know, he called, I say, though I did not call you, uh, though I have not called you. Um, But I think he is calling together the fellowship here, right? Um, And I think that this whole, they shall represent the other free peoples of the world, elves, dwarves, and men, seems not to be a coincidence. I don't think he just, you know, convassed the you know, local population for volunteers and was like, huh, wow, look at that. We got an elf, we got a dwarf, we got a, hey, we got a whole free peoples of the world thing going on here, right? That's great. That, that is not what I think is happening here. I think it's pretty clear that Elrond has a plan, right? And he has, he is pushing this plan forward. Um, I, it is clear, by the way, like, so I have, like, in Gimli been, been, um, uh, um, uh, you know, Voland told no, they have not. Um, and again, we see him emphasizing the free choice, right? That's still going on. We emphasized that last week, of course, very importantly with Frodo, how his own his uh, Riv- uh, Rivendell's Elrond's um sort of uh, deliberate reticence, or at least his sort of strategy there with Frodo at the beginning. Set Frodo up to make that vow, right? That affirming choice of his own, and we see that he seems to be doing a similar thing with the rest of them, although he does seem to have had a plan, right? He does seem to want uh, there to the company to represent the other free peoples of the world. Um, and I agree, Matt, the word other is interesting. Usually the free people are men, elves, and dwarves, uh, clearly. And so I agree with you that Elrond is clearly indicating that hobbits are numbered among the free people. Yeah, well, especially to this crowd, right? I mean, he's called the hobbits together, so he's talking presumably to all five of them, right? Um, and he's, um, uh, he's addressing the five hobbits. And so... Certainly here, um, but I'm willing to believe elsewhere as well um, that he is counting the hobbits among the free peoples of the world as a you know fourth group in the free peoples of the world. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, um, and I agree, Gil That Theor- all of the free peoples of the world are involved and all have a stake. It's true. It's true. And no, Draw Snake, there's no evidence that he's counting the squirrels. Uh, Besides which, why should he? The squirrels are already, like, I mean they can no longer travel quite so conveniently from tree to tree as they once did, but no doubt uh, the, squ- the squirrels are, all- are already in place, you know. Um, now, ants could be free people. Of course, now Elrond is a very good reason not to include the ants here. First of all, there aren't any present, so he can't exactly send one out with them. Um, but of course, even more importantly, when Tolkien wrote this, the ants hadn't been invented yet. Uh, so uh that's a pretty good reason for him not to send them out either and obviously he could have t- attempted to sort of retcon that in um but he um he didn't uh retcon them in right um uh yeah uh, jordan you're right bill the pony isn't counted among the nine walkers uh, for he trots uh what what you're saying that they still need a trotter uh in the company uh, even though strider no longer has that name um, and, uh, and you're right. He's not exactly free. Uh, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Goob Jones. Welcome by the way, Goob Jones. I saw it was your uh, first time with us here tonight. Um, I, um, y yeah, you're right that Ents would fail the speed and secrecy test. <laughs> you're, yeah, it's speed at least, right? Uh, secrecy, certainly in some contexts, uh, it would be they'd be a little bit of tension gathering in some uh circumstances. uh no question. um anna suggests they'd also fail the small hands test too. right now of course gandalf would also in that sense but um um but anyway, uh i think that um yeah. yeah. um I don't think Elrond is trying to be 100 um, percent. It needs to be 100 uh, in- percent inclusive here. Uh, absolutely. Now, we're going to we're going to come back in. And, and, and I, I want to come back to the question of exactly what is his plan here? Right. The first thing I wanted to point out is just kind of the overview. Right. Um, the overview of what he seems to be up to here. And again, I want to emphasize those two things. One, Elrond is being assertive here. I will choose you companions to go with you. Right. I'm going to Elrond's taking charge. Right. Um, He is going to send people along with him again. But again, but the second point is he is also uh, making sure that they, too, go forth of their own free will. This is seems to be an important thing to him. Because um, notice how he immediately qualifies that. He says that really assertive thing at the beginning. And I will choose you companions to go with you as far as they will or fortune allows. Qualifier, 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 right? Um, I will choose you companions to go with you, but I'm not going to compel them to stay with you as far as they will or fortune allows. So the first half of the, con- the first of the two conditions um, makes sense right I mean that's understandable in the context that we have seen from Elrond free will it's important right um, as far as they will I'm not going to make them I'm not going to try to constrain them Th- their, their choice is free to stay with you or to continue with you their choice is free right But um, as fortune allows, as far as they will, or fortune allows. um, Now, on the one hand, you can say, um, you can say, okay, uh, stuff's going to happen, right, that nobody's going to be able to anticipate. So, you know, um, you could say that taking a side trip by way of the abyss under Durin's bridge, spoilers, is one example of Fortune not allowing one of their companions to go any further at that stage, right? Um, So it uh uh and yeah Bart, it is certainly possible uh that it has uh, some of the same error of the con- of the the that the, that clause in the hobbit contract about uh, the burial expenses clause exactly i mean you know stuff's going to happen including the unexpected mortality of one or more members of the fellowship could happen right so so yes if your fortune does not allow you to survive then no you're probably not going to continue um but um uh but at the same time I am not sure that that's all that it means. Or, or, or rather, let me say it a, d- a different way. Starting off with as far as they will, or fortune allows, um, suggests that he's not just allowing for unexpected disasters or something like that. Um, but um, something could come up. Right. Something could come up that uh, there's there. A couple reasons why one of the companions might leave the company and not continue any longer with Frodo. Right. One is they don't want to anymore. They're like, I'm out that he weaves that open from the very beginning. The second is that fortune does not allow them like they're just like, again, like, they die or something like that. Um, but third would be something comes up and they feel compelled. They have to make the decision not to, right? Um, not because they're not willing, right? Not because they're just like, nah, I don't really want to go anymore, right? But because they, and we'll see this, right? This is exactly what is going to happen. In fact, um, both of those last two categories I described, we're going to see happening, right? Gandalf is not going to be allowed by Fortune uh, to continue with the company all that long. Um, and Aragorn is also going to make a decision not to go with Frodo from the falls of Rauros, right? Um, not because he's unwilling to go, but because Fortune has not allowed it. Stuff has happened Um, uh, Of course, Boromir also is not allowed by fortune to continue any further either. Um, Neither are Merry and Pippin. They also, for their fortune, does not allow them to continue any further than that either. Gimli and Legolas and Aragorn are going to choose to leave Frodo and go off in a different direction, but not because of a lack of willingness, right? So um, there is... uh, that second condition or fortune allows is fairly general, but you know, he, he does, but I think it's worth noting that he seems to anticipate this kind of thing, right? What he's not doing. And we're going to come back to this when he is um, having his famous exchange with Gimli a little bit down the road, right? We'll get there fairly soon, a few weeks. Um, Uh, The whole, no, I don't want you to take any oaths uh, conversation. Um, He doesn't bind anybody uh, to this quest. Um, And uh, none of the companions. Um, And he seems to anticipate things are going to come up. These companions that he's sending with Frodo, these are not designed to get Frodo to the cracks of doom. It's clear from sentence one of this section, of this passage here, that Elrond does not even really expect, conceive, imagine, really. He has, he seems to have very little expectation that the companions that are going with Frodo are going to be along for the long haul. He's let them all opt out and he's anticipating that many of them are going to be ultimately prevented. One way or the other, right? Um, so his first sentence is assertive, but it's it's kind of um, uh, ambivalent in a sense. Like on the one hand, yeah, I'm going to send folks with you. You're not going to go by yourself. You'll have help, but don't um, don't count on it, right? Um, we'll get to that more as we we'll see as we go through the number must be few since our hope is in speed and secrecy had i a host of elves in armor of the elder days it would avail little save to arouse the power of mordor um this is not a last alliance situation but certainly a host of elves in armor of the elder days i think really has to is designed to get us thinking of the Last Alliance. I think in this first paragraph, he is inviting an explicit parallel between this setting out from Rivendell and that other setting out from Rivendell several thousand years ago, right, when the Last Alliance set because they, they set out from Rivendell, right, uh, to go down to Mordor. Um and of course, we have had Elrond connected with Gilgalad and with the Last Alliance from very early on in the Fellowship. You'll remember when Frodo, um, you know, burst out, right? Um, but um, uh, yeah, and you're, you're right, Forth Donless. I do think it is worth noting that Elrond picked really well the people that he, the companions that he cho- he chose to go with them, um, do achieve each of them great deeds for the benefit of the free peoples um i agree i agree um yes okay so um had i a host of elves in armor of the elder days it would avail little um i am not sending you with gilgoad's army right like i last set out with gilgoad's army from this from this spot right uh when um uh, when it was that time several thousand years ago, um, why? Well, we don't have them. If they had Gilgalad's army, maybe they'd think about it. But they don't have Gilgalad's army. Um, but even if he had, he says it, it would avail little save to arouse the power of Mordor. Your hope is in speed and secrecy, and that hope is clearly um, uh, their Umdir, right? Um, their Umdir is in speed and secrecy. Um, Yes, and you're right, uh, uh, Björning in Exile, you're absolutely right that a Gorfindel-level elf um, would be very conspicuous on this trip, right? Um, uh, Imagine, imagine, if you will, that moment remembering ahead, right? The moment in Minas Morgul, when Frodo and Sam and Gollum are sneaking in and they're hiding like behind a rock, while the Witch King rides by and the whole rest of the army as they as they leave, they're like I don't know how many like yards away from uh, uh from the Witch King right there. If Gorfindel were there, there is no way. Like first of all, like he'd have to cloak himself a lot better, right? But uh, the Witch King would be able to sense him, right? I mean from. Much, much closer than that. Uh, Gwarfindle is, um, obvious, right? Very, very obvious. Um, uh, yeah, more than Gandalf, more than Gandalf. Um, I'm not sure about this, Lupita, but I think that, um, remember Gandalf of... I mean, of course, we talked about this recently, and you're unlikely to forget this. Um, But, of course, remember that Gandalf speaks of cloaking himself, right? Then you will see Gandalf the Grey uncloaked. Implication, I'm cloaked most of the time, right? That way that he can conceal his power um, makes him different, I think, from Gorfindel. I don't see any evidence that Gorfindel can cloak himself in the same way. I mean, it's just... Look, when you're that awesome, you just glow, right? I mean, what are you supposed to do? Uh, uh, You can't help it, right? Um, So I'm really not... I don't know that there is any evidence that... um, I don't know that there's any evidence that Gore could cloak his power in that way. Um, uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, but remember the Astari, the embodiment of the Astari is a kind of cloak, right? I mean, it's the, it's the whole point of the embodiment of the incarnation of the Astari is to conceal, uh, their power in part, you know, to enable them to work, to operate, you know, incognito, uh, in Middle-earth, um, Rachel that's a fascinating question on YouTube is Gollum the only companion who takes an oath Well Frodo kind of did right with his I do in last week's passage but um but yeah what um remember that question Rachel when we get to that um it's only book 4 we'll get there soon um Yeah yeah um Sam has too absolutely Sam already has right uh sam took a took a took a, a an oath um to the elves in woodhall right um uh he promised them that he was you know you know like it might not sound quite as grand and certainly infinitely less creepy and dangerous than the oath of fanor um but um uh but you know uh you know i don't mean to i will stay with mr frodo if he co- if he goes to the moon that's an oath right i mean he he's 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 uh well okay i mean court, unless it's quite possible you can... Uh, I mean, he doesn't call anything into witness to the oath. I mean, you could quibble with that, but he's given his word. I mean, he's made a promise. Um, it's not a... He's not in... For, as far as he is concerned, right? Uh, and the transaction that he has made, it's not a as-far-as-he-will kind of situation. And notice that Elrond himself is... Um, uh, except... Exempts Sam from this uh, clause... Right. Um, you and your faithful servant, they're a unit. Right. The two of them are going. The only question is who's going with them. I don't think your faithful servant is included in the as far as they will or fortune allows clauses uh, of uh, of the companion choice. Really. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. OK. Um Okay. Yeah, Admiral Malcontent argues that it's similar to Faramir taking his word as an oath later on. Yes, yes. People are asking about the um the sort of distinction, right, between um uh you know, an oath and a promise, exactly what's the difference? Uh well the primary difference would be uh, basically, naming something in witness. Like you, um, you sort of, when you're doing a proper oath, right, you state like consequences that will come upon you if you break the oath. Uh, you name somebody in witness of the oath, like somebody to enforce the oath, right? Um, you know, what would that is, what would happen to you if you break the oath and all that kind of thing. Um, so uh, it's true. And I would even say that the. Um, um, uh, the uh, The reaction of the elves at Woodall. Do you remember the reaction of the elves at Woodall when Sam makes his promise? How do they um, uh? How do they react? They laugh, trifle exactly. Yeah, yeah. Christopher remembers it too. They laugh at him uh, when he says that. So you know they're clearly not um, you know like ooh like that's a huge deal, right? I mean that they, they 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 laugh um, um. But uh, so it's it's, you know, again, this is not the oath of fan over here, um, but um, uh, but still he has uh, he has made a promise and his volunteering and his being named as Frodo's companion at the council by the council uh, clearly puts him in a different um, in a different category uh, yeah. I agree, Matt. In general, we do have few true oaths in modern life. Um yeah, there are very few times that like it's just it's not a thing that we really do anymore. Um sometimes, as you say, an oath of office, marriage vows, um there are um uh you know, the the uh, yeah, you're you're swearing in at court. Um yeah, there are very um there are very, very few of those kinds of formal occasions. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah. Ordination, yes. And, uh, uh, joining a religious order. Yep. Yep. No, They. those, there's some that still exist, but it's still true that there are not very many of them in the sense of how often we see that happen, how often people in general do those things. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, no, Hathalas, I would say on the one hand, yes, it's certainly true that we don't take them as seriously as, uh, as... We used to um but I would also say there are fewer for sure that kind of an occasion you know where you swear an oath in front of witnesses um uh swearing you know by or uh you know under the power of like an arbiter uh and naming consequences unto yourself if you don't keep the oath like that doesn't happen all that often um Um, And no Green Great Dragon. The terms and agreements pages on software does not count. (laughs) It definitely does not count. Um, Yes. Um, But um, anyway, yeah. Okay, so... um, Interesting, yeah. Uh, uh, Steve Higgins says, I always thought that Gandalf bound Sam to Frodo when he said, you shall accompany him. Well, Steve Higgins, we can see how much of the volunteering that Sam and Frodo both do at the council is prefigured in the shadow of the past. Right. Um, you know, that what happens in the first chapter two sets in motion, the decisions of the second chapter two, um, it doesn't make those moments both for Frodo and for Sam at the council less important. I think they're clearly still important, but, um, but I also think that Gandalf pretty much knew what was what you shall go with Mr. Frodo. Um, uh, Sam is voluntold in that moment, right? Though, of course, his response is hooray, right? Um, uh, so I, and I agree, uh, Christopher, for exactly that reason. While it's phrased as a command, I think that Gandalf is more giving permission, uh, to Sam. Yes, exactly. I, I, I agree. I agree. Um, uh, But for Thomas, you're right. There's a big difference between someone telling you you must do this and you yourself taking on that task under pain of consequence. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, And Sam has certainly shown his own choice and his own willingness. And, um, you know, that's why, uh, you know, plain as a pike staff it is. Right. I mean, he says he's going to say later on. um, It has been for him from the beginning here. Right. Um, He always knew. What was going to happen, and certainly what he was going to do. But anyway, okay, okay. Um. Back for a second to his deliberate invocation. I would call this a, a deliberate invocation. Uh, you know, just an, an invoking of the idea of the Last Alliance. Right. Um, it would avail little save to arouse the power of Mordor. Um, speed and secrecy are your hope. We cannot compete with Mordor in strength. We've established this, right, at the council. Um, therefore, speed and secrecy is where your hope lies. The Last Alliance would not do us any good if we could do it here. But that, that leads him in transition to the company of the ring shall be nine and the nine walkers shall be set against the nine riders that are evil. Do you notice something important up there? Um, okay. fourth Dauntless... I agree with you. Okay, let me pause for a second there. Um, for Dauntless, I agree with you that the Elder Days... Um, does not necessarily mean the Last Alliance. I agree that when he says a host of elves in armor of the Elder Days, he is evoking the idea of, like, the army of the Gondolindrim emerging out of Gondolin at the near ninth Arnoidiad or something like that, right? I mean, he's thinking of the Elder Days. What he's invoking is the mythic past, right? Um... Had I you know even if we could conjure up um the greatest most splendid thing that you can imagine, right a host of elves in armor of the elder days, it wouldn't do us much good right we would it wouldn't it wouldn't help much though I wouldn't say no if they offered honestly right um I wouldn't say no um <clears throat> but yeah though. Hang on, side note. You know what that makes me think of Thor? It makes me think of the one war of the elder days which Elrond did in fact witness, right? Um Elrond missed most of the elder days. I mean Elrond remembers the first age barely, right? He was um he was only a wee tot for uh, the majority of the, what he saw of the first age. He's born at the very, very end uh, of the first age. But he does see one thing, right? Uh, and that thing that he sees is the War of Wrath um, when the armies of Valinor came to Middle-earth to overthrow Morgoth in the end. Um, and that was, um, that was a big deal. You're right, Nathan He also sees elves in armor of the elder days uh attacking his own people um yes, yes, true. the third kin slaying uh he was a witness uh and indeed a prisoner of war at the time uh, of the third kin slaying. so that's certainly true um but um uh but yes, the war of wrath he was around for that uh he certainly will remember uh the Host of elves in armor of the elder days. That is, the host of the Vanyar, right? In armor of the elder days, who arrived and fought the last ba- the the last battle of the First Age. There, um, the uh, the War of Wrath. But, um, that it would avail little save to arouse the power of Mordor. So. Obviously, he's not saying that he thinks that's likely to happen again. Not that you could, like, 100% rule that out, right? I mean, after all, we're at the parallel moment here, right? I mean, we're coming to the end of the Third Age, just as before they were near the end of the First Age. And the end of the Age is, you know, determined by the overthrow of the bad guy. Um, No, there's no real reason to think that the Valar are suddenly going to send a relief column from Valinor uh, to rescue the people of Middle-earth from Sauron. But, of course, there was no real reason to think it would happen the first time either. Now, there's more difficulties. Valinor has been taken away out of the circles of the world, etc., etc. Um... Uh, so yeah, even more unlikely now than before, right um uh <laughs> Nancy says it's not the vanyard doing much these days, exactly right yeah yeah, exactly um uh, but um, trifle, that's exactly what I was thinking there um, trifle says, I think everyone is hoping not for a repeat of the War of Wrath because they rather like the continent and would like it to stick around. Um, Exactly. 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 Um, The point is not only that um, it's extremely unlikely we're not going to hold our breath for the armies of the West to show up again and wage war against the power of Mordor, Um, but I don't think it's desirable. I also, th- obviously, I don't think it's, Elrond El- 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 El knows full well it's not going to happen. Um, as one of you, was, yeah, uh, for is as you were suggesting there, um, the catastrophe of the finding the ring has kind of um, tipped the hand of providence here, right? As they were discussing in the council, it's kind of clear what they were meant to do. Right? How this story is meant to come out? This is not a setup for. And all of a sudden, bam! The armies of the Vanyar appear on the shores, and Galdor is super surprised. Right? That's not how this story is working out. Right? That's not. Um, that is not the direction that things seem to be moving in here. So there, there are in fact active reasons for them to think that that's not going to happen. But I would still agree with Trifle's point. Um, I don't think it would be desirable. Um, You could take that phrase, save to arouse the power of Mordor. Doesn't necessarily mean that Mordor would win, right? But it means that, like, what would happen would be, we would be settling this thing in a long, terrible, and indeed catastrophic for the continent and stuff, um, war. Which that's not a great scenario, uh, for the people of Middle earth in general, right? Um, so even as attractive as it is to imagine having Aeonwe come back, uh, to um, you know, uh, bring Sauron to heel again like he did before, um, which you gotta think he could still do, right? Um, uh I don't know. I I I got to think. One on one, Aonway can still mop the floor with Sauron, you'd think. Um but anyway, um <laughs> that's an interesting point, Christopher. I never thought of that. Um more potential people to take the ring. Um <laughs> yes, that's certainly true. Uh and disquieting. Um but um But yeah, so, and Dan, of course, there's a big difference between what he's, what the scenario that Elrond is invoking here. um, And um, uh, that is a titanic clash between the power of Mordor and the powers of the West. Um, There's a big difference between that and what Aragorn is ultimately going to do with the Black Gate, of course, the kind of decoy maneuver, um, you know, last second, Kind of decoy maneuver there at the Black Gate, um, but again, it, it doesn't matter. I don't think that Elrond is here. Again, the whole clause: "Had I a host, right, um, it would avail little. It would, it would. All it would accomplish is to arouse the power of Mordor. So we don't have that. We don't want that." But I would still hold forth on so Although you're right that the elder days and the last alliance are not the same, and I think that that I agree with you that that's even true in the Lord of the Rings. Um, um, and by that I mean, at the stage in which Tolkien's concept of the history of Middle Earth had developed and had over had connected uh, with the Third Age by this time in by the time he was writing this passage in the book, it is still true that the last alliance and the elder days are distinct. Um, in, um, in Tolkien's imagination, that's true, but honestly, the audience, I mean, the Hobbit audience that Elrond is addressing, right? I mean, there's this kind of, I don't know, this kind of continuity, not continuity, um, like one mythic figure standing behind the next. I mean, this is Elrond, right? The guy who was there at the Battle of the Last Alliance. Right. And so when he refers to a host of elves in armor of the Elder Days, I think that we are meant to imagine all of those things. Right. Um, because, by the way, I bet you that the uh, Last Alliance, the elves of the Last Alliance still had armor of the Elder Days. bet you Gilgalad's armor was made in the Elder Days. Right. As was the armor of many of the elves among them. Right. Anyway, so I do think we're supposed to be remembering Gilgoad. Uh, and the armies of the last alliance. But yes, the the overt um, invocation of the elder days and the greater and even more inconceivable power of the ancient elves is being explicitly evoked by name here, right? Um, so that I do think I do think we see, you know, the image that this is raising up, does, I think, show us Gilgalad and the armies of the Last Alliance kind of in the foreground, right? But in the background behind them, we get, you know, the stories of the ancient elves, like, again, like I mentioned, the arrival of, you know, Turgon and the Gondolindrum at the near ninth Arnoidiad, perhaps, or the, the arrival of the armies of the Vanyar on the shores of Middle-earth for the War of Wrath, right? Um, those things lie behind. And indeed, of course, that's the direct... Parallel, right? That is, we are coming to the end of the age. Everybody feels the end of the age is coming, right? The crisis for good or ill is coming. The transition point either Sauron is going to be thrown down or he's going to become dominant for good and all. The crisis point at the end of the third age is coming. Um, So we're at the end of the third age which is just like the end of the second age, which was the last alliance, which is just like the end of the first age, which is the war of wrath, right? So, um, standing where they are at the beginning of the end of the third age, we do, I think it's, I think it's, it's right for us to be remembering both of those things here. And Elrond is certainly remembering both of those things. Um, and, um, uh, And Lupita, exactly. He does. He is basically saying that um, he uh, he can't. They they can't repeat history. Yeah, yeah. Um, And praise. I think that's a really really good point. The contrast between the powerful and the small hands uh, at the end of ages is quite striking. Yes, yes, it is. Um, And both of the previous times, um, both of the previous times, the end of the age was determined by strength. Um, the strength of those with the power to do good and to stand against the enemy. Right. Um, but now that's not the script for the third age. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, anyway, the company of the ring shall be nine. And the nine walkers shall be set against the nine riders that are evil. Back to that sentence that I said before. You know what the first word is that jumps out to me about this? He doesn't call them the fellowship of the ring. He calls them the company of the ring you notice that? Hey, somebody do a spoiler for me. Somebody with the e-text. Look it up. When's the first time that this group is referred to as the fellowship? When does that happen? The title page. Thanks, Jordan. Yeah, Chris, that's what I was thinking, too. That's exactly what I was thinking. Um my memory tells me just as Christopher's uh is suggesting to him that the first time it's used is or shall we break our fellowship. Yeah, Parth was just what I was thinking Christopher, but I want to um I I want to see if maybe we're forgetting does it ever refer to them as the fellowship before that? Cuz I I don't know that it does. I think they're the company of the ring. Um Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's as, as several of you I, I, I'm thinking exactly the same thing as several of you are. Um he names them the company of the ring. That's pretty technical, right? Like a company is just A small group of people, like a small group of soldiers as a company. We'll see it used in a military context, uh, company, um, uh, you know, later on uh, in the Return of the King. Um, But um, uh, exactly, it does have a military connotation. It's like a very small military unit. Um, uh, But they are going to become the Fellowship of the Ring. And I think that that is. Um, Yeah, it's a good way to think of it, um, Björning. Fellowship implies spiritual bonds, and a company implies contractual bonds. Uh, Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, Yeah, yeah. Now, oh, that's interesting, Corey. He had just said that he will appoint companions. Companions form a company? Well, yes, they would, wouldn't they? Um, uh, So I don't think that we can go too far into... um, uh, company uh, in a strictly military term in a strictly military sense right it is used in that sense um, and so in one sense it is uh, uh, as I said before, a kind of uh, you know objective and sort of uh, dispassionate description of a small unit of people deployed together um, but um, uh, but there is a there is a an obvious link there as you suggest uh, Corey between companions and company right um, we've already had three's company right as the title of a chapter so um, we have associated already in this book um, company uh, with um, something a little bit more friendly than as a military unit necessarily um, but um, uh but you're right, Aranas, a company can be assembled from strangers. Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. Um, Dan, you're absolutely right. When fellowship is used in the breaking of the fellowship chapter, fellowship isn't capitalized. So I don't think Col- Tolkien is even thinking of the word like a, like a title. No, um, and certainly the Fellowship of the Ring um, as a title for the book is imposed on it well after the fact. It's only when the publisher in the post-war era says, dude, paper is too expensive. This book is long. No one's going to be able to afford this book. We need to publish it in three volumes. That Tolkien was then forced to come up with a title for this volume, and he called it The Fellowship of the Ring. Um, So it was a very retroactive title uh, set upon the book. Um, But anyway, I just think it's important... um, uh, so, yes, we'll, we'll get to the breaking of the fellowship. But my point is it doesn't happen. Into, I don't think it happens at all until then. Um, and that, I think, is an interesting thing to remember. And I think it's an interesting thing to note, particularly in the context of Elrond's emphasis on choice. Right. They will become a, they may become a fellowship. We know that they are going to become a fellowship, um, but they will only become a fellowship as a consequence of their own choices. Right. when the bonds form among them, the bonds of their dedication to each other and their choices together um, that is um, uh, you know, that's, that's a different thing than merely the company of the nine, uh, the, the company of the ring um, that um, you know, that Elrond has appointed them to um, okay, so that's the first thing the company of the ring shall be nine. Um, Okay, yeah, good. The breaking is the first instance the Fellowship is used after the pro Again, the pro does doesn't count, because that also written later um, doesn't count. Um, Yes, yes. Um, Good, good. Okay, so, um... What else was I going to say? The nine walkers shall be set against the nine riders that are evil. Okay. Um... What does that mean? In what sense are they going to be set against the nine writers? I mean, it's kind of um, tidy, right, from a symbolic standpoint. But I guess this is one question that I have both in this and the next paragraph. To what extent is... Um, to what extent is Elrond being merely symbolic? And if he's being symbolic, what um uh to what purpose is he being symbolic? Right? Symbolism is important. But what's the point of symbolism? Why do you do a symbolic thing? Right? You do a symbolic like symbolism. Communicates, right? Communicate. I mean, it um, uh, symbolism conveys meaning. That's that's the point of symbolism. It can convey meaning. Now you can do right, Hathalas. Exactly. It's it's a it's it's a pathway to meaning. Um, whom? What? If they're doing a some, making a symbolic gesture, to whom are they gesturing, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Rowan asks, "Why have a gross of guests at the party?" Well, Rowan, that's exactly the question that the Sackville-Bagginses are asking. That's why they're offended when they've been chosen like goods in a package, right? To fill up the required number like goods in a package. Um, But again, the symbolism there is fairly important, fairly obvious in some ways, right? It is, Bilbo explains it. One hundred and forty four is the total of his age and Frodo's age, and so together they total one gross, which is a peculiar number. and of course, as we will learn very much later, a very important number from an elvish point of view, uh, 12 squared. so um, he chose their, he chose their numbers to equal their total what what is the message? what is communicated? What is communicated is like it's about us, right um your numbers are chosen to equal our combined ages, right? So again, the message is fairly important, and to this Sackville Baggins is offensive. Um, the nine walkers shall be set against the nine riders that are evil. Again, set against in what sense? Um, in direct opposition to? Nine walkers shall be set against the nine riders that are evil? Um... We, he's got the nine walkers and we... or nine riders and we have the nine walkers and now it's fair? Is that? Um, yeah, it seems to me a more symbolic opposition to the nine riders. I don't think it really is like a, I mean, it's kind of like a baseball team, but it's not really like a baseball team. Um, I don't think we're meant to square up and go toe-to-toe between the Nine Walkers and the Nine Riders. I mean, it's obvious that we're not, because speed and secrecy is the whole point, right? Um, uh, so I don't think he means set against in that kind of sense. Now, it's interesting because we have a we have a contrasting moment to this, right? Um, you remember? Remember ahead to when Phaedon is going to say something very similar? Right? Um, when Theoden, well, no, it's not Theoden. It's. Shoot, who actually says it? It's Aragorn who actually says it, isn't it? Right? But I mean, when, when I'm talking about the White Rider, right? I'm talking about when they're. When we're talking about the White Rider. We're talking about Gandalf later on after his return. Um, and they say, you know, the enemy has nine. We have one greater than they, the White Rider. Um, there. We have explicitly, a, that, that is a toe-to-toe opposition thing, right? Um, on his side, he has nine ringwraiths. On our side, we have one Gandalf game on, right? Is the, what seems to be being conveyed in that moment, right? Um, I don't think that's what Elrond is conveying here. I don't think that's what he has in mind, That the nine walkers shall be set against the nine riders that are evil in the way that they are anticipating Gandalf shall, in fact, be set against um, the nine riders that are evil, right? Um, Yeah, and you're right, Christopher. Gandalf's response is, black is mightier still, right? Um, You know, let's uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Um, Yeah, Anyway. I'm bringing that up, though, as a contrast, right? A contrast to what Elrond is saying here, because I don't think that that's what it means. There seems to be a more... Now, I, 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 people are. some people are interested in the, the kind of outside symbolism of nine. Is it connected with Norse mythology, something like that? Um, I don't know, but I don't know that we need to go there. Um, because the referent is right there. He's explained why he's chosen, why their number should be nine. Not because nine is... And I'm not saying nine isn't an important number and that that might not add a a kind of an additional layer of meaning. Uh, But what I am saying is, first we have to address what he explicitly says. He is choosing nine walkers because there are nine riders that are evil, right? Um, This is how it shall be. The the company of the ring shall be nine. And they shall be set against the nine riders that are evil. Not directly. Um, uh, They're set against them. Hmm, Rowan says, maybe it's more like tarot cards. I'm not 100% sure I understand that, but do you mean like in balancing opposition to is does that get Rowan at what you're what you're pointing to there perhaps? Um because that's that's rather what it sounds like to me. Um that kind of a uh balancing thing, right? Um Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In opposition to but balancing. But again, balancing not in strength, not in um, you know, this is not uh uh, we're not we're not handicapping a nine on nine brawl between the two of them, um, uh, and that's interesting, Hathos. I think you're right. The fact that he says riders versus walkers uh, does imply that the riders are greater in strength, as riders have advantages have advantage over walkers uh, on a military level. Right? Um, yeah. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> here's my theory. My theory, um, my theory of, uh, what is in Elrond's mind at this moment? when he says, shall be set against the nine riders that are evil? Not in strength, not just in position, but in role. Sauron just sent the nine riders hunting for the ring, right? Sauron discovered the ring is out there. Uh, Probably in an un, in, a, in a land with an un, with the uncouth name of Shire, and uh, being uh, in the possession of someone with the ridiculous name of Baggins, um, so what does he do? Right, in this need, in this moment of crisis for the bad guys, uh, potentially good crisis, right? He sends out his greatest servants. He sends the nine riders out on a quest. Their quest, it's the quest for the ring. right? They're set out on a quest for the ring. And off they go to attempt to find the ring. And they failed. Right? They failed. Elrond is sending out the nine walkers, setting that against the nine riders who were set out. And they are setting out, the nine of them, on a quest. These nine walkers, like the nine riders, were Sauron's greatest hope for recovering the ring um, before it could be claimed by, you know, a new ring ward, which would be at the very least inconvenient. Um... uh, His greatest hope were the nine riders, so the nine walkers are the greatest hope of Elrond and the free peoples, right? Um, And they too are being set out in a quest for the ring, right? Um, Except, of course, as you might expect, it is the reverse, right? Rather than to go and find the ring and bring it back, they are being sent out with the ring in order to lose it. Um, picking up on those reversals that um, uh, Frodo was picking up on the reversal of his errand from Bilbo's errand, right? Um, No treasure hunt, no there and back journey. He goes to lose a treasure instead of to gain one. Um, And we can see that similar kind of reversal happening here. Um, So, yes, I do think, um, uh, Bjorning, that Elrond is basically Sauron's opposite number, uh, in this situation, essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah, Matt, that's that's exactly it. Yeah. Um, and he is, in a sense, in one sense, right? Now, Sauron plays a bunch of roles, right? And those roles are kind of distributed among different folks. Um, uh, as has always been true, uh, Being a good guy is a team job, uh, whereas the bad guys tend to work, uh, alone or anyway, to be, uh, they tend to have a, you know, uh, they tend to be a sole proprietorship, if you see what I mean. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, they do get, they do delegate, Valori. You're right that they do delegate, but it's not delegation so much as, um, uh, so much as uh, the, I don't know, forcible allocation of roles. Uh, yes, they have minions, not partners. Exactly, exactly. Um, yes, yes, exactly. Um, good guys delegate, bad guys subjugate. That's right, pard. There you go. That's, that's that sounds like a uh, sounds like a bumper sticker now. Uh, that's exactly right. Um, yeah, Amari was thinking of this, of uh, subjugate as the obvious uh, counter. Right. That's it. That's it. Um, yeah, so I do think that here Elrond is even perhaps under, I mean, maybe this even gives us a glimpse, Matt, into the extent to which, um, the extent to which Elrond is issuing commands here, right? Saying shall be all the time here and I will choose and that kind of thing. Um, this is his role. This is his job he he, he he perceives that he perceives that he is in the counter position uh, it's it is up to him. He might not have called the council, but it was called at his house right and that's not by accident um, and it is not for nothing that it gets called the Council of Heron, right um, It wasn't his idea um, but he uh, he's been he's had a job delegated to him, and he's doing it. Um, I think. Um, so, in some sense, yes, Jordan, I do think that this is his foresight talking. Uh, absolutely. Um, and yes, Fourth Dauntless, I agree that this anti parallelism also makes it a lot more important that Elrond doesn't command anyone to do anything. You are absolutely right. Only delegation, not subjugation uh, for Elrond. Exactly. And it doesn't that help to kind of open up the tone of the rest of this? And those two things that we observe from the beginning, both I'm going to speak and tell you exactly what's going to happen on the one hand, but at the other, on the other hand, I'm going to insist upon the free choice of all the people involved. We can really see how those two things go together, right? How those two things work together. Um, so yeah, I think that that is the pattern. That we are showing. That is the sense in which the Nine Walkers are set against the Nine Riders that are evil. Um, they were the evil version, and their motivations and methods, everything about it was evil, right? It was about the, um, they were his slave instruments, Sauron's slave instruments to reach out and grasp power for himself. Right at the expense of others, the nine walkers are going to be Elrond's voluntary troop, right, voluntary company who will, by their own choice and in their own and and self-sacrificially for themselves, go forth in order to lose power uh, and to uh, set free others to save others, even if they themselves are not saved. Um, the nine riders were evil. The nine walkers are good. That's what it means, right? That's what it means for them to be set against each other, I think. Um, With you and your faithful servant, Gandalf will go, for this shall be his great task and maybe the end of his labors. Um, this shall be his great task. That's another really interesting piece of insight. Uh, you know how I would paraphrase that? Um, I would paraphrase that. Uh, like, if I were Elrond, if par- paraphrasing Elrond speaking to Gandalf here, I would say, um, you know, you'd look good in white, Gandalf. Remember the reference, remember ahead, the reference that Galadriel is going to make about who was and who was not the head of the council. Sounds to me like uh, Gandalf has just gotten a promotion. Um... I think that Elrond now sees clearly, and it's not all that hard to see, that this task was appointed for Gandalf. It, the Ring came—if the finding of the Ring by Bilbo and its passing to Frodo was the great act of providence that has set into motion the, you know— Uh, the great deliverance that's going to come at the end of the Third Age. If that is the um, um, if that is the plan, yeah, it's pretty much Gandalf's retirement party, JJ. That's exactly right. Um, If this is the plan of providence, Gandalf was obviously chosen as the instrument of that providence. I mean, uh, uh, you know, it uh, it doesn't take Seven thousand years of experience to read that one, I think, right? And when you combine that um, with the fact that the former White Wizard, whose job it seems to have been, based on the you know the discussion we were having before, the analysis we were doing previously, um, the White Wizard's role seems to have been to be the chief. Enemy of Sauron to be the leader of the good guys against in the war against Sauron in the uh, the long strategy and war against Sauron, um, it's now doubly clear. Even if uh, I mean, what would have been really awkward is if Saruman had shown up, right, and been like, "Hey guys, all right, let's go. I'm the White Wizard. Let's do this thing," right? Um, that is like you know without the treachery thing. Like what if he hadn't betrayed them? what then, right, or what if uh uh at the very least if, if he had concealed them, but I mean literally like, what if he hadn't actually betrayed them um, that 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 would have been awkward, right um but anyway, that's not what happened um and of course, you can see those two things seem to be in uh uh in place together, that is. It, there's there's a reason why providence was wise to the future treachery of uh, of of Saruman turns out right um yeah so um yeah yeah um so this shall be his great task Elrond seems to me to be foretelling ultimately Gandalf the white um. Uh, and um. And maybe the end of his labors. That is a hint at the end of the age, clearly, right? I mean, by saying and maybe the end of his labors, that's actually a really low key way. I mean, if again, if I had to paraphrase that, maybe the end of his labors. Um, yeah, for this somebody he has great task and maybe the end of his labors i get, I would paraphrase the whole thing as Gandalf is being unofficially promoted. he's being made <laughs> hey Matt he's being made interim white wizard right now Gandalf is right uh, he's being appointed interim white wizard <laughs> until his official appointment is later confirmed um and then and maybe the end of his labors, I would paraphrase that as and it's end game people. It's end game. This is this is it. This is it. Um uh the end of the age is upon us for good this is everything is on this throw. Right? Um we are we are betting the ranch on this. Uh because this is uh, this is it. This is it. Um So that was a Two pretty big declarations uh, in the context of that, both of which. Well, I don't know if the second one went over Frodo's head, but I bet you the first one did. Um. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, Matt. Didn't mean. Didn't mean. I can't help but laugh. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry, it's a private joke, uh, Matt. Has. Uh, through, through his career been named interim something or other uh, on a couple of occasions and his institution has tended to leave him as the interim, whatever it was for a, 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 a I'll go ahead and call it a ludicrously long period of time so it's kind of, it's kind of a running joke um, <laughs> but anyway um, yeah yeah, exactly anyhow, okay for the rest they shall represent the other free peoples of the world. Now, more symbolism. More, first, we had the nine walkers and the nine riders, and we talked about that a little bit. Now, why, why the potpourri, right? Why are we going? Why, why the 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 sort of, um. You know, why this approach? Why the representational approach? They shall represent the other free peoples of the world. So again, no, I do not think. That Elrond dragooned Legolas and Gimli. I don't think he leaned on him and said, you know, you're going whether you like it or not. Um, I do think he chose them. I don't think that they just randomly volunteered. I think he approached, my guess is that he, appro- because he said, I chose you companions, you know, I, I will choose you companions. Um, he names Legolas and Gimli. <laughs> Legolas and Gimli? I just combined their names. That's kind of fun, right? Anyway, he, 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 he mentions Legolas and Gimli, and I think he clearly has suggested that, uh, he implies (laughs) that he um, uh, that he has talked to them before. Um, But the the, um, the thing that I think that he definitely decreed, right, is they shall represent the other free peoples of the world. Like, with the authority vested in him as the counterpart of Sauron on the good guy's part. Um, you know, the guy in whose house the council was chosen to be, and all that kind of thing. Um, uh, he... Uh, <laughs> people still teasing me about Legoland and Gimless. <laughs> it, it is kind of a fun t-shirt idea. Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. Uh anyhow, so uh, that seems to be, doesn't that seem to be a, a, a unilateral decision on Elrond's part? They shall represent the other free peoples of the world. So the people, he's going to, he's going to work with the people and he's going to make sure that they have their own free will as to whether or not they join the fellowship. But he's determined They shall represent the other free peoples of the world. That's happening, okay? So, there's going to be at least one elf, one dwarf, and one human in the party. Like, it's that's settled. It could only be a question of which is which. And fortunately, Gimli volunteered, because if Gimli had said no, they had to rustle themselves up another dwarf. Now, there are other dwarves there. We know Glowen is there, right? He's maybe a bit elderly uh, to go on this quest, but... um, uh, um, but yeah, he, um, uh, who knows, maybe there would have been a, uh, uh, there's a second best elf in their party that, uh, could have served, but, um, yeah, I know, I know they didn't, I doubt they came across w- Wilderland by themselves, but still, it would have been awkward. Anyway, the, uh, point is, And yet several of you are asking, like, why Legolas? I agree. Let's not skip over that. Legolas shall be for the elves. That's a pretty big statement, right? I mean, it's unlikely in several ways. Unlikely in several ways. Why Legolas? Why one of the elves from Mirkwood? I mean, surely, of the uh, demographics... Elves, dwarves, and men—he was most spoiled for choice when it came to the elves. Right? I mean, he's got a, a pretty good roster of elves that he could send along. Now, we already talked about how Glorfindel, though kind of an attractive idea, um, is—you um, know—maybe not, in fact, the best—the uh, best way. Right? Now, praise—I agree that if we're going anti-powerful, a Sylvan elf fits that better. Um, I've chosen Legolas because he is lesser than everybody, because he's so much lamer than everybody else who lives here in Rivendell. Um, Like, all these elves are just way too cool and way too powerful, so I'm going to send the elf with the smallest hands in the place, right? Um, (laughs) Right. Gildor would certainly have been a better choice, but Legolas was more available. Yeah, yeah. He was going in the generally right direction. Um, uh, Yeah, yeah. I don't... um, uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly. Here's another thing that I think that we can see. And this, I think, might sound like... Um, I think this might sound like the uh, worst, like the least satisfying possible answer. Why did he choose Legolas? Because um, Legolas was going that direction anyway right yeah blood the inspirer exactly exactly he's the only elf that lives east of the mountains that's it yeah um if he chose Legolas be sure it wasn't for any you know uh any skill or power that you know he possesses he was uh he was, he was going that way. That's what he says. They're willing to go, Gimli and Legos, Gimli too, right? They, they have this in common. Um, Legos and Gimli are going because they're headed east. So, like, they can give you a ride as far as the turnpike, and, and then they'll drop you off. Um, uh, that's 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 what he says. They're willing to go at least to the passes of the mountains and maybe beyond. Well, if you're really lucky, if you're really lucky, they'll go like halfway to Mordor with you. Right. But, you know. Don't count on it. Don't count on it. You know. Now, they are still. Making a concession. Right. It's not like Legolas and Gimli are just, you know, picking them up like hitchhikers. I mean, they are going out of their way. I mean, at the very least, since the the ring is going to be heading out south, I've heard a rumor that the ring is going to go south. As yet unconfirmed by the text, but um, uh, they're going to head out south and. You know, so then, like, after crossing the mountains by the passes, which the company is going to, like, by the Redhorn Gate, which is plan A, uh, you know, then they're going to have to schlep all the way back north to get back to the Lonely Mountain and Mirkwood. So it's very kind of them, right? Very kind of them to, um, go so very far out of their way. Um, but, um, but, yeah, they're, they're, they're headed in that direction. Um, my question is, how much do you think that weighed with, uh, with Elrond? I actually kind of think a lot, actually. I think a lot. <clears throat> Who's Elrond going to choose? The one that he thinks most qualified? The ones that he thinks have the best, you know, strengths and qualities? No, no, he's not going to choose that. When's he going to choose that? Exactly, Bard, he's going to choose on the chance if chance you call it premise. Elrond's job is to pick up what Providence is laying down. That's Elrond's job, right? That's like his only job. The foresight thing, right? Um. Okay. There's an elf and a dwarf who are headed east. Done. Done. Clearly, those are your companions. Right? Oh, and um, look, uh, there are two men headed that direction, too. Even more in that direction. Right? They're not only headed east, they're also headed south. Just like the ring. So great. Um, Aragorn and Boromir. Yeah. They're headed to your direction too, so we'll throw them into the company also. Because they're the most committed? Because no. In fact, these four people that he's just introduced, Legolas, Gimli, Aragorn, and Boromir, and I'm not trying to diss on any of them, especially not Aragorn, none of them are being recommended because they're devoted to the cause. In fact, all of them are not devoted to the cause all of them have other jobs lego is supposed to get back to Mirkwood. gimli is supposed to get back to the lonely mountain boromir is supposed to get back to minas tirith and aragorn is supposed to go with him right to answer the call of the the you know dream poem right um yeah yeah um so He doesn't choose them companions based on the ones that he thinks are most qualified or the ones that are most fanatically devoted to the cause, with the exception of Sam, your faithful servant, whose faithfulness he mentioned as his primary criterion. right? So we got Frodo, who just now swore that he would go, right? I do. He just gave a sort of vow there. Um, And then... um, your faithful servant, right? Sam, who has made his own promise that he's going to stick with you. And four guys going vaguely in your direction. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, to Juice Man, I agree. Providence does seem to have chosen the members of the company all the way down to Merry and Pippin. Agreed agreed, and I think that that's what we're, we're going to see when we get to the Merry Pippin passage, which we are going to do very, very soon. Um, uh, I love the... Um, <laughs> I love the... recapitulation of the Strider chapter that happens here. Um, Aragorn makes... or Sorry, Elrond makes it all grand. For men, you shall have Aragorn, son of Arathorn, for the ring of Isildur concerns him closely. Right? Um, Strider! cried Frodo. Right? Him immediately bringing us back to the inn at Bree, right? When they met Strider and didn't like the look of him. um, And when Strider, you know said that he would give them his help as long as they promised to let him come with them. Right. Uh, to take, to take him with him as long as he wishes to go. And, you know, until I choose to leave you were his words in Brie. Right. Um, uh, and they promised that, you know, he, 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 agreed. Right. And he smiling, um, which, Hey, Hey, Aragorn smiling. That's kind of unusual. Didn't we say that was unusual? Um, I seem to remember we had a conversation about this a year or so back. Um, a couple years back, maybe. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So here's Aragorn smiling. Um, yeah, it is. on I thought that was on our watch list. Yeah, and it's not a grim smile. Exactly. Yeah, good. Yeah, Jackie says she just listened to that episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, I agree. When did they show up? Who's there? Yeah. We had no idea that Aragorn was in the room until he speaks up here. That's interesting. Um, okay, anyway. Right, yeah, we came to the conclusion, actually, that Aragorn's smiles are mentioned more often than anybody else's. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. Right. All right. Well, we'll come back to that. Um, and he asked, I ask Eve once again to be your companion. I would have begged you to come. Only I thought you were going to Minas Tirith with Boromir. Um, okay. Well, it's getting late. We'll return to the end of this passage next time. Um, what I want to start with, and you guys can help me remember, because I often forget one week to the next what I wanted to talk about. So help me remember, beginning class next time, We're going to start off by saying, by looking at Elrond's introduction of Aragorn, specifically the reference to the Ring of Hesildur concerning him closely, as a very unusual, in the context of everything else we've seen here, rationale to his inclusion in the Fellowship, right? He seems to be putting Aragorn in a different category than Legolas and Gimli, for instance, um, or even Gandalf. Um... Uh, so I want to do a little comparison and contrast there, and then we'll get down into their exchange and then, yeah, we can think a little bit more about who's here in the room and what's interesting about that. Um, but, um, yeah, anyway. Okay. So we'll start with that next time, but it's getting late and I should let you guys go. Um, thanks for joining me. We will, uh, we will be back next week. Uh, don't forget Baymoot registration is open, uh, and don't forget to join me this Saturday. Um, the easiest place to join me this Saturday is on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash or YouTube, or, or our other channels as well. I'll be streaming it everywhere. But um, there is going to be a Zoom link if you want to uh, participate through Zoom. Um, uh, so I will be, uh, I'll be, we'll be announcing that, we'll be uh, distributing that Zoom link a little later on in the week. All right? Thanks, everybody. I will talk to you guys soon. Uh, And it's field trip time.
1: Good evening.
0: How are you, Valori? I am all right. Good. Good. Let's see. I am... uh...
1: Yeah, it does make me wonder if uh, Elrond, like, had to talk his sons out of going... (laughs) At
0: any point. Right. Apparently unsuccessfully in the long term. <clears throat> yeah. If he talked him out of it, he talked him out of it apparently only briefly. <clears throat> All right. Okay, so we're headed back to oh wait, we're moving on. So but let's let's go back to the same spot. Let's start at the same spot here today.
1: Yep.
0: Uh, drink, what is it? Dring, dringle?
1: Uh Yes, uh, dringle.
0: All right, yeah. So we'll just, we can just head to the... Uh, we'll Stable Master it out there again.
1: Sounds good.
0: Yeah, and we'll see. I Today we'll be... We'll be... Uh, beginning the last leg of our um, uh, field trip exploration through the Wells of Langflood. Oh, and yeah. so it will be... Uh, it will be time for us to uh, to make decisions, because I'm really not quite sure what to do next. Because of course, Oregian, we're going to mm-hmm. be exploring when we get there in the book, but oh, yeah. uh, we still have some a certain amount of time, you know. Hmm. Like how many, you know, I mean, if we could estimate, how many, you know, slide passages do we think it's going to be before they get to Oregian? I think it's going to be a few.
1: It's true, but Eregion's pretty big, and there's a couple of special pits too. We've got the red horn Modes and the Faradhras.
0: It's true. It's true. We would have plenty to look at at Eregion. Yeah, um, we would. It will probably take us a while. Lots um, of wounds, too. And obviously, we want to save the pass until we get there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But um, but yeah, there would still be plenty of time to kind of save up the relevant bits and still look, o- look around at the rest of it. Yeah, I guess that's, that's sensible. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Probably not a good idea to start a whole new region, other region, before we get there.
1: Yeah, unless it was like, you know, going back to something, like I picking at the new place at Rivendell when they have it. Right,
0: I mean, the um, the Wells of Langflood, I was comfortable doing this because although, you know, we get, uh, you know, Gundabad, which has been interesting, um, and has taken several weeks to look at, you know, when you look at the map, I mean, there's just like not all that much up here, you know. Mm-hmm it's like the one location and a few locations building up to it um yep. whereas you know eregion has a lot more whereas let's see if we, while I'm waiting for that guy to if we go if we were to go over to like the arid mithrin over here over to the gray mountains yeah, there's quite a bit here mhm Yeah. Um yeah, the Dale Ends and the Iron Hills. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Are you not in the raid party?
0: Uh me? Uh, yeah. I don't think I am. No. Oh,
1: okay. I'll send another invite.
0: Sorry, I must have missed it. It's
1: a it's your- Make sure I'm in the same group with him please. Yeah, uh, yeah I, was, I was checking if uh, the parties were balanced when I discovered the error.
0: All right, I'm uh, I'm on a goat. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm currently not a goat. On, a, on a on a northbound goat.
1: Everybody, look at me, cause I'm riding on a goat.
2: <laughs> Can we add Saginaw Yep.
0: We go. All right.
1: A lot of people this time.
0: Yeah.
1: There you are. Hang on, hang on. Hold still. Hold still. <laughs> Everybody stop running in front of us. Oh, Aha. Cute.
0: There
1: we go. Okay. Yeah, i got to do some shifting away on here. Let's see. Oh, a lot of hunters in that one. Healer, healer, healer. thing.
0: Okay. Well, JJ, one thing I can tell you right up front is that the tower bridge at the top of that uh, Angmarim Fortress is clearly new construction. Not part of the original. I mean, maybe it's a reconstruction of something that was there originally, but... um, Okay, are we good?
1: I think so. Anyone else, send me a chat and I'll make sure to add you.
0: Good, let's uh, immediately... Foray into super dangerous territory, okay, so here there's one thing that I wanna notice right away, and that is this gateway arch here, double arch uh-huh. is clearly old, right We've got the old black metal tops and the old uh stone right
1: mm-hmm
0: um. And notice also how these like the, the, the pillars of the arch look like they used to be connected to walls and aren't anymore. Yeah. Right. So Maybe clearly something
1: similar to Angmar.
0: yeah, the new fortress is like uh, smaller than the old fortress
1: mm-hmm.
0: or at least the old one had a big enclosed courtyard and the new one does not. Right. Um, but uh, but yeah, so most of this, only the outermost walls seem to be remnants of the older days, and the rest of it is new. But we mm-hmm. have these two double arches. Okay. Now, let us go around the castle and around most of the dragons. See this wall here on our left. Classic oh, yeah. old Angmar right there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just like the stuff they made the barracks out of.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For a second, I thought that rabbit was going to attack me, but I guess
1: yeah, that's an Um, ordinary rabbit.
0: Yeah, exactly. It was running towards me with a a, a glint in its eye. What a peculiar wall! What is that business on top, and why does it dip down? What I mean, it can almost jump up here, and I'm not all that athletic, you know. Um,
1: True, but maybe it wasn't always embedded in the hill like this.
0: I think it must have been, but it's well, pretty short. In any case, if it was just a courtyard wall, I guess. I don't know. Weird. Um. But okay, anyway. We don't need to go all into the castle necessarily, because we've seen the other one, which is very similar to it this. Does somebody just level up? The in or has it just started to snow? It just started to snow once we got up the hill. A fierce whelpling? That's adorable. Okay. All right, and here we are. Okay. Look at that's just what I was interested to see.
1: Yeah.
0: Same arches up here. Mm-hmm. So the bridge is new and the tower to which it leads is new. Ooh, we can go in.
1: Looks a lot like Karn Doom.
0: It does look a lot like Carn Doom. It also looks Barad a lot like the doors the door oh, yeah, yeah Baragularon is just what I was gonna say, yeah. The tower door there is just Barad like Baragularon. Yeah, this part
1: here is like Baragularon. And yeah. there's a mission.
0: Okay, just looking at the stonework here. So yeah the concept of the Tower Bridge seems to be old, even if the, um, even if the construction is new.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, lots of feistiness going on in here. With
1: yeah, this is very much like Baratularam. Um, it's exactly territory.
0: like Baratula. Even down to the upholstery. Look at that. They imported a rug. They brought that all the way from Angmar. This rug.
1: True, but the vaulted arches on the ceiling and everything is a lot nicer in Barigularan where you just have certain, like cagey balconies and stuff.
0: And not to mention this semi stained glass.
1: And a lot and a bookshelf. Is this another accountant's office?
0: Maybe <laughs> maybe maybe this is where those literate wargs come from. Um where did I find those? Was I was those was in Grifflet, right? I was in Rohan, and I was doing one of those um, um, uh, one of Quickbeam's quests uh, in the library, which was infested with wargs, which were carrying pages of books on them. So, is this
2: an elevator? Which yes.
0: it here? looks
2: it looks like an elevator, but it, it's like a door yeah. in the
1: floor. Yeah, it is.
0: Oh, yeah. this little, a oh, waiter, and, the, yeah, and there's a little safety true. chain to prevent you just like, but you can't get into it at all, right?
1: Wow, they have more OSHA standards than elves already.
0: And dwarves. <laughs> Yes, for sure. It does kind of look like an elevator cage, doesn't it?
2: They're saying it's a dumbwaiter.
0: Right, well. Elevated I guess when you have like man-eating orcs, elevator, and dumbwaiter kind of serve the same purpose, don't they?
1: Well, that, yeah, like trebuchets and whatever.
0: Right. Right. Um,
1: Does it go down?
0: No, you can't get into it. Like, that that chain stretched one foot above the floor is an absolute wall that prevents uh, you getting in.
1: Yeah, it reminds me of those hatches you see on the New York streets where um, trucks are supposed to drop their deliveries.
0: Yeah, 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 the delivery doors. Except they're I made of have... wood. They're made of
1: wood? That's funny, everything here is doors made of are... iron.
0: Look like they're made of wood, don't they? Uh,
1: that are standard. Maybe iron. they're metal. Oh, it looks pretty rusty.
0: Could be. It looks pretty
1: look rusty. This.
0: Does this look like Gondorian doors to you?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Look at the panels.
1: So Not seen, exactly
0: white tree that, design, but
1: we, we've seen this sort of uh, banana leaf uh, design before.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to see if I can what see it there? anywhere else.
1: That one of the dark elven hey, was
0: that corpse there when we got? No, no. Okay. That's a new corpse. Okay.
1: Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. I just turned around and saw a corpse there. I was wondering if oh, it was furniture. Oh,
1: it's throwing lots of different baddies at us.
0: Okay. It's mostly spiders and angmarim in here. Uh-huh. Oh, there's some painting on the floor over here. Ooh. Hey, where have we seen that before? This... um... Like the rift? Huh?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't know that Similar, but not the exact same designs.
0: Similar to the oh, rift. Stopped me. What? Are you being chased?
1: Yeah, I was. I'm good. Okay. thank you. I've never been in the rift. Is this we've seen this? The rift?
0: You know, we well, we went to the outside. I mean, I'm thinking of the outside of the rift. Huh? That's
1: beautiful. Also, these columns are super interesting. They're almost like inverted versions of the towers outside.
2: They almost look elvish or natural. Yeah, yeah like they don't elf-ish.
1: seem evil. Right, right. and then
0: sound, oh, this is warm, the bookcase, like, it, the scrap
1: box. The, well, these columns in the middle are rubbish. I meant the ones around the wall, sort of half columns all around the wall. The fact that oh, they have yeah. the way in the middle makes them look really sort of uneven and top-heavy. It's kind of unsettling.
0: What, like the little, like the slender little waists of the columns there? Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah doesn't look sound it looks decorative but because of that you, you feel like this place is a little uneven yeah unbalanced <laughs> but yeah the one in the middle looks a bit like party elf architecture
0: what is up with those concentric rings in the ceiling that look like lenses or, or should something
2: they? Yeah, they could be. It's very What, are they meant
0: to start? concentrate the light of the sun down through the stained glass window in the roof? Or the
1: moon. Down,
0: what, to the, to the carpet?
2: Yeah. Moon letters?
0: Moon Jordan's. letters.
2: Well, no, that's what Jordan is suggesting in, in the... Yeah. Carpet
0: cleaner. Yeah. Werewolf machine. Werewolf machine, yeah, yeah, I was thinking of Doctor Who also. Um...
1: I was okay. just thinking moon, concentrated
0: moon rays. I
2: forget. Right. I'm also thinking of a horrible instance in Moria. The one with all the mirrors.
0: Wow, that instance. That that I was going to yeah. say, which horrible instance in Moria? Um, <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Oh, man. I will never forget the super, super long instance that I got to the very end of and couldn't complete. Yeah. Alas. I mean, like, like I was physically, like my character was physically unable to interact with the boss, and I had to exit the instance and do the whole thing again.
1: Oh, good grief! Ugh, alack and alas.
0: Never, never have I forgotten that. Um. Okay. Um. Yeah, it I wonder why the bad guys only have scrolls. With the
1: Balrog, though, like three times.
0: No, wait, they do have codices. Look, there's a whole stack of codices right here, but they've only got scrolls in the case.
1: The wargs ate them.
0: Yeah, yeah the, the bulls the been there of them. a
1: while, too. The bottoms got rusted out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Not a very useful bowl, that.
1: Yeah. It's like when we left a baking pan outside in the rain.
0: Exactly. Okay. Well, this is a strange, strange tower. Yeah. So I would then theorize based on what we can see that... Now, there's no other doors, right? This is just a one-chamber. This is a one-shot deal, this chamber?
1: I believe so.
0: Okay. All right. So let's see. So let's theorize here. Oh, yeah. Uh, This is a new Angmarim tower. Mm -hmm. Um... It suggests that the new Angmarim as they're building these outposts are what, like influenced by different styles? That they're like we know the elves pre Angmar built the rift. So like the nod to the, you know, aesthetics of the rift would seem to be like a deliberate kind of I don't know what. Is it mockery or is it just sort of
1: like in in sort of
0: aping it yeah well that's what i'm wondering if it's you know something something like that well my cat just attacked that fox was that fox gonna attack me probably it was this goat's not bothered but I
1: don't are the know foxes the fox. Is no fair? the
0: foxes are he's not going for me No, my cat's going for oh. him though okay Poor all fox. right okay
1: why it's hey, oh, to keep your That's oh,
0: another hobgoblin. Nice.
2: Nice. Words that have never been said before and never shall be said again.
0: <laughs> I like the hobgoblins. Alright, so we're, we're, we're heading up towards Wormscraft. That's where we're going. Alright, so yeah, it's like they imported a whole bunch of styles from all around Angmar, which are all like perceptible in very different circumstances in Angmar. It's like the you know, Angmarim potpourri in there. Also, we've got we've got cold drakes up fun. here, right?
1: Cold drinks?
0: Cold. Cold, cold drinks. yeah, exactly. This is where this is where uh
1: I mean you could up here.
0: <laughs> yeah, You're it'd be easy enough I suppose. Yeah. Cold drakes and worms.
1: Don't stop to pick the indigo.
2: Yeah, that's my job. Picking the indigo. Yeah, that's a running gag. I even named my in-game band Indigo Plant.
0: Okay.
1: Right.
0: Oh well, Lightning just came down and struck that worm. What are the odds of that? Okay. Pretty Very good. Very
2: strong. That we got our ring keeper in our group. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna yeah.
0: say. I guess.
2: Sorry, I'll join you in just a second. I was helping somebody in chat.
0: Oh, yeah, no yeah. problem. Okay. Now, Whoa. oh, it looks like we get to go straight through a hobgoblin camp.
1: Oh, boy.
0: Now, look at this approach. So we've got... <laughs> spiky things on a whole new level here.
1: Yeah, they do like the spiky thing.
0: So it's fairly frequent. They do look like street lights or telephone poles or something, don't they?
1: Yeah. Now they're <laughs> aping Hobbit to architecture.
0: They're, these look almost like they should be functional. Yeah. Even though I don't think they are. Oh, did that hobgoblin... Do these guys have tattoos? I thought They're
1: they painted... Why are they first.
0: painted white? Frost. It's a frost thing? Do they have yeah, designs? Yeah, their name...
2: Well, their name is Frostbound Hobgoblin.
0: Frostbound hmm. Hobgoblin. I want to see one from the front. Frosted ah, Hobgoblin. Magic don't spin it. around. Yeah. Oh,
1: it's almost like the eye markings.
0: Yeah, almost. I mean, they don't. They're not hands, of course. Um, huh? What are these over here? Bones? Yeah.
1: Looks like bones. Whoa! Uh, these are the say. vertebrae
0: right here. What was this the skeleton was, of?
1: Olfant or one of those big dragon dealies?
0: It's got to be a huge dragon. You know, Jordan, I wonder, could they be anti-dragon spikes? I mean, they do almost look like a defense against aerial creatures, don't they?
1: Oh, yeah. They don't perch there. We've only ever seen stuff like that before where there were marigold who needed roosts and perches.
0: Yeah. Right, making it awkward for them to land? Yeah. Bet you that's like what that is for. I, I thought they looked more like tactical than merely decorative.
1: Yeah, they didn't have some of the heart that some of these gates have. Yeah. Dragons were not
2: known for being friendly neighbors.
0: No. Yeah. No, now, yeah. now they have, of course, decorated them all liberally with bones.
1: Well, yeah, the employees of Sorrow never really get along very well with each other.
0: Right. look here's another here's another skeleton so those have to be dragon skeletons of varying sizes as we can see okay I thought over there I saw some cut stonework but it was just an optical illusion okay Um, oh here's a This is nifty. Look at this whole whole pavilion thing with a courtyard. This is nice. They got
1: some style.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, again, their aesthetic is very similar to what we've seen many other, with the bones and such, but... Yeah.
2: Is this where we can let sleeping frostbound hobgoblins lie?
0: What, in the tents?
2: Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah oh, I guess no, so. It's
1: dragons. we got a skull right here.
0: Another dragon skull?
1: Yeah, there's a dragon skull over there.
0: Oh, right here, yeah. Well, the horns are interesting. Oh, I, I, I like guess maybe some go. dragons have horns?
1: Any of the ones attacking us have horns?
0: I don't remember. They might have done. Boy, okay, there's a whole lot of
1: Well, what was that out of
0: Man, the number of dragon skeletons.
1: All the war machines are broken and not and like thrown over and on their sides and in pieces.
0: Yeah, when are these from? What siege was that huge wheel designed for?
1: Oh, that looks dwarvish.
0: With that machine? Yeah, it it kind of did.
2: We could have one of our minis pacify a dragon if you want to get a close look at one of the drakes.
0: Oh, well, no, I can see. Yeah, he's got horns. (laughs) He's got horns.
1: No, I see it from here. We're good.
0: Yeah. He's got got a whole mess of horns. He's got nothing but horns.
1: Horn of like six horns. Hornucopia. I'm, I'm going to stop here. Alright. Yeah, okay, not one of those little blue ones. There was a big blue one.
0: What, dragon wise?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, these are mountain drakes, I guess. Mm uh-huh. hmm. So, where are we? We're... Almost there to Wormsgraf.
1: Hmm.
0: Ooh, but it's getting late. Maybe we, we should explore Wormsgraph itself next week. Yeah, how about we do that? Well, let's because then we can approach it from the other way. Having oh, come through can? this way, we've seen it's really interesting. I'm glad we saw this with the skeleton. The skeletons are the most interesting part of the hobgoblin camp, yeah, to I me. I think so. Because of course we can also see the very great antiquity of that hobgoblin camp given all of the very old skeletons that are there. But all right. OK, let's so yeah, let's we should probably stop here because it's getting late oh. and I kept everybody super late last week and I probably shouldn't do that again this week. <laughs>
1: it's a lot of interesting stuff up here.
0: Yeah. All right, well, we'll, we'll explore the rest of graph. Next time,
1: I'm betting there's gonna be worms.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, no, we don't know exactly what the tower bridges are for exactly, JJ. But maybe we can think about that a little bit more, too.
1: It just looked like a way of getting things up the hill with the dumbwaiter.
0: Yeah, shortcut. Shortcut yeah. to the um,
1: well. If you have a if you have a casual grade up the hill, it's easier than trying to get something up the stairs or a steep ramp. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there is a path right outside. It's true. I don't know. Um. If there weren't an elevator, I would have thought it might be like a private entrance. You know that, like, somebody's mm-hmm. private domain was up there at the top of the tower, and. So like they had a private back door that got to the top of the tower, but the elevator suggests traffic inside the tower. You know, Rabbit you could easily get there. Centers. So yeah, I and I know that defeating and having an entrance defeats much of the point of a tower. I, yes, it does seem a puzzling. I mean, like a very big, prominent back door into the very center of your defenses seems an odd thing to build. Yeah, I always that did.
1: One on the late floor.
0: Yeah. Well.
1: Oh, here we go. Big blue. Big blue guy. Giant horns.
0: Giant horns, yeah. Yep. Clearly. Clearly. Yep, there okay. we
1: go. This is the skull. Want All right. They get bigger Alright,
0: I guess we're off then. Okay, Yep. yeah. No, but we, we should we should be done. We, we, should, we can finish up here in, uh, uh, in Wormscroft next time and then we'll be done. So after next week, we'll be done uh, with the Elder Slade and then... Or not the Elder Slade. What is this? Wells of Langford? No, this is the Elder Slade. I yep. was right this time. I was wrong the last time. I said uh, Wells of Langford last time. Okay, yes. Yeah, so we'll be done with the Elder Slade after next week. And then, I guess, yes, we can head down to region. So, um, yeah, very good. Okay, um, so that'll be the plan. That'll be the plan. We'll right. start in on Euregian, and we'll do most of the, El- the Elfie stuff uh, until we get to the, the actual path of the, uh, of the Fellowship. We'll wait to do that until they, until they depart. We'll probably start at oh, Greeniverse I- or something. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. uh, And we will see you guys next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye now.